And a very good day. This is Pastor Mark Whelan with Touch of God. Welcome back this week. It's good to be here, and it's good to have you here too. I wanted to continue this week with teaching on the topic of faith and continuing the series, How to Apply Faith, but with a focus on removing doubt, unbelief, and fear in our lives. We must be operating in pure faith because you cannot mix faith with unbelief, for then it is not pure faith. Just like you cannot drink water if there is oil mixed in with it, it's not pure water. So today, who does not have a mountain in their life that they'd like to cast into the sea? Why not speak to it? Let's use the faith, the equal measure of faith that God has given us to speak to these mountains in our lives and tell them to be cast into the sea. Jesus said to his disciples, and therefore to us believers, as recorded in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 to 24, Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you will get it. If you're wondering if you have not heard some of these words before in these verses, it's the Amplified Classic Edition. So how confident are you that when you speak to your mountain, it will be cast into the sea? What is your mountain today? Is it a sickness in your body, or that of someone else, a lack of finances, Maybe it's a spirit of lust that you can't seem to shake. Faith without works is dead. I can believe that when I told the spirit of lust to leave, that it has left. But I also need to not keep looking and feasting with my eyes. Turning away from sin is cutting the head off of the snake. In a short moment, the rest of the snake's body dies. But not instantly. When we confess Jesus as Lord... When we make him our Lord and remove the lordship we assigned previously to the devil in our lives, then we can confess our sins. Jesus forgives us of those sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. So the snake's body stops moving. We are dead to sin because we are alive to Christ. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we can do all things, which includes be delivered from problems. We can rise above all sin and evil. He gives us the strength, the grace that empowers us to stay clear of sin, to stay clear of temptations. And even if we slip and we fall, God is there to help us back up. But we must be instantly repentant and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. God doesn't want us to dwell in the sin. Pigs dwell in the mud, the messy mud. We are not supposed to dwell like pigs in the mud. We're supposed to get up and instantly Jesus gives us a shower and we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus once more. And first John chapter one verse nine is that we are cleansed of all unrighteousness by the grace of God. Romans chapter eight it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, 
but after the dictates of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and of death. We are freed from the law of sin and of death because we are now in Christ Jesus and the law of the Spirit of life is in Him. So if you are in Christ, the law of the Spirit of life is in Him, and so are you. So you are set free from all the chains and the shackles and the bondage of all those problems because of now who you are, a son or daughter of the Most High God, as well as where you are, in Him, seated in Him, alive in Him, next to the Father in heavenly places. I also wanted to read out the two verses that you probably heard of quite often before. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and receives. But if we look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages which sin pays is death, but the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through, in union with, Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're speaking on faith today. But we have to be effective in it, and to be effective, we have to know God, we have to understand his nature and his character, but we also have to understand that the devil can't accuse the brethren anymore when the brethren is in Christ Jesus. He has nothing on us. He has nothing on Jesus, and therefore he has nothing on us. Let the devil not have anything on us. Stay clean, stay pure, be holy as he is holy, Peter said, and let's move on. That we have a spiritual authority that the Lord expects us to operate in. It's not an option for believers, because our free will can decide if we use it, but to be obedient, we should obey the Lord's commandments. So what I mean here is, there is a spiritual authority that God has given us believers, that we have a free will to choose whether to speak in faith over a situation, confessing God's word, over a situation, or we can just stay silent. Our free will can decide to stay silent or speak. And sometimes if we speak and we say, no, this sickness is going to get the the better of me, that's even worse than staying silent. We need to speak life instead of death over us and other people. No matter what you think you're suffering with, do not confess it with your mouth because Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says that there is life and death in the power of your tongue. So be very careful what you say when you open your mouth and let it be full of God's word coming out over situations, territories, neighborhoods, your office, your family, your household, your president, your prime minister, your governor, your city officials, your town officials, your employer. Let us speak the Lord's word of goodness over them and let the heavens come to the earth and the will of the Lord will be done in Jesus' name. So we do have a free will to choose whether we should speak life or speak death over a situation, but to be obedient to the Lord, we should obey the Lord's commandments. We should obey what the Lord has taught his disciples and therefore taught us to do. And if you say, well, he told his disciples that he didn't tell me that, Well, I ask you to turn to the end of Matthew chapter 28, where he told his disciples, go into all the world and teach those whatsoever I have taught you. So we are here today because someone has taught us, and a long time ago the disciples taught someone who taught someone who taught someone, and so on, all the way to this current time. So we need to be obedient to the Lord's commandments. 
one of the things he told us through his disciples was for us to freely give what we have freely received. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely without pay you have received. Freely without charge, give. Have you been set free from an addiction like me? I now have empathy towards those who drink alcohol because they do not know what they do. Remember what Jesus said to the two men side by side of him on the cross at Calvary. The other two men were criminals. They were on their own crosses. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But obviously they had done something wrong because they had been charged with a crime. Of course, Jesus did nothing wrong. And he was still ended up on the cross. But Jesus' point was, Father, forgive these two men, for they know not what they do. I now have empathy towards those who drink alcohol because they do not know what they do. In other words, I did not know that I was in bondage to alcoholism because I just thought I was having a few drinks. And little by little, the snake coils around you. The bondage, the change coils around you and you don't even feel it until you're in it very deeply and all of a sudden you have trouble getting out of it. So I can more effectively minister to those who drink because the Lord delivered me completely from alcoholism after 20 years. I wasn't waiting on God. He was waiting on me. That means that I wasn't waiting on God to take it from me because I hadn't yet told God I wanted to be rid of it. I didn't even ask God to get rid of the alcohol, because I didn't know I could. Growing up as a child, I was taught, do not bother God, do not pray to Him, because He tests you. He tests you like a teacher tests you on an exam. So why would you cheat on the test and talk to Him? And as a child, I believed that lie. So I never really knew that I needed to have a relationship with Jesus and the Father. So I didn't know that I could reach out to God for help and expect to see a solution. So I was in this alcohol addiction for many, many years, 20 years. And for the last six years of these 20 years, there was a Christian man who the Lord sent in my life after I started to go to a church. And he heard clearly from the Lord, and I had a lot of revelation. And... I know this because the night he took it from me, I was the one who had to call out to God and tell him I had had enough with it. I said to this gentleman, how do I get rid of this alcohol? And he said, well, this is what the Lord would say to you. You take the first step and I would take the other 10 steps. That night I went home. I flushed the drink down the sink. I threw the bottles in the rubbish, the trash, the garbage. And the very next day, I did not have the urge to go drinking. On the weekend, I did not have an urge to go to the bars. So, since that night in 2009, I have not returned to drink. So I can be confident in the gospel because God is no respecter of persons. And I know from the word of God, God is faithful. He's forgiving. He's made sacrifices for me through Jesus. He has love for me. And I know his overall character and nature. 
from reading his word and studying him, but also spending time with him in the secret place. But now I also know him personally because he did what he did for me that night and took away that alcohol urge, that spirit of addiction, the spirit of alcoholism. So knowing his nature, I can be confident that he'll do what he did for me for any other person suffering from alcoholism. And since this was an expression of him removing me from captivity and the chains of sin and addiction, I know that this lines up with Isaiah chapter 61, which was read aloud by Jesus himself, as recorded in Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So if the Lord delivered me from going to hell on a path of destruction, from the moment I said yes to him, and he delivered me from alcohol in the moment I desperately asked him for help, then he will deliver you out of your circumstance. So if you have a first step to take to show your seriousness about wanting to be set free from something, go ahead and do it. There is no time like the present. What is the first step that you would want to take? If you're smoking something and you are convinced that you will always smoke, then I beg to differ with you. The Lord is ready to take it from you, but he will not snatch the cigarette out of your hand because you have a free will and the Lord will not override your free will because that would mean that you're a robot and he wants to control you. God doesn't control you. So you decide, you make up your mind, Lord, I've had enough of this cigarette smoking habit. I give it to you. And then you throw everything away, like I did with the drink. And then you just believe that you are set free. Because you are at that point, because your free will confessed to the Lord, and you sought his help. And he is there. He is near to the brokenhearted. He is there to set the captives free, as we just read out from Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. Why waste another second of your life because it is only prolonging your separation from an intimate relationship with Jesus, but your heart needs to be delivered from these shackles, these chains. It is eating away at you, and God never did this to you. But he surely did pay for you to be released from the shackles of bondage. So knowing the Lord from the word of God and knowing him based on what he has done for me, as well as my time in conversation with him, I am confident that he backs me up every time I believe by faith in something that delivers someone from something that they shouldn't have. Meaning, when you are addicted to something, and I want to pray and believe for you, then I know that God will back me up in that prayer as I walk you through getting rid of those things because of what the Lord has done for me. He has delivered me from these things, and that he is not a respecter of persons. In fact, he's already paid for everything, the person's healing, the person's salvation in totality, and that on God's end, it, it is finished. Remember that Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So God has paid for everything, and he doesn't have to pay for anything more. Everything is paid in full. Now we need to just come and receive and decide to do these things, to decide to give these things up to the Lord. The Lord deserves for us to give these things up to him. He's the one that sacrificed everything. We haven't sacrificed anything. He sacrificed his son's life. You're sacrificing a cigarette 
or this addiction is nothing to the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you to get rid of it. So all I have to do is remain in faith and do not doubt that what I declare will come to pass. I may not see it instantly with my eyes, but I believe it is instantly triggered in the invisible realm as soon as I use faith and belief for it and remain in no doubt or unbelief. It is much easier to receive from a bank when you know that there are funds in the account. Imagine saying to the bank teller, I doubt you'll give me the money. Is it your will to give me the money today or sometime in the future? If there is money in the account, they will surely be giving you a strange look. They will say, why, of course, here is the money. There was money in the account. Why do you say these things? The difference is this is God's bank account, and it has an unlimited supply of all resources paid for by the blood and sacrifice of his son, Jesus. The balance is unlimited. The hours of operation are God never closes, at least not until Jesus returns. We do know that tomorrow is not promised. So how much more trustworthy is God than the best bank teller in the world? Know that this is not only about your finances, but all resources God has already paid for us to have and receive. He's just waiting for you to believe that there are funds in the account that you cannot see. You cannot count God's provision. He owns it all, including the money in your pocket. He gives it to you to use wisely, to steward properly. He expects the same of us with faith. Remember that faith is the currency of heaven and it's not money. So walking by sight and not by faith is checking your account balance before you withdraw the money. Walking by faith, however, is knowing that God's account is unlimited, has no lack, and that you are worthy to represent him and use his resources that you cannot see for the betterment of those precious souls around you. The Lord will provide for you as he always has done. The devil may have stolen from you, but you have authority spiritually to tell the spirit of poverty to leave you and your family in the name of Christ Jesus. Remember, there's life and death in the power of your tongue. So let us use our tongue for the things of the word of God, so we can bind on earth and it shall be bound in heaven, things such as the spirit of poverty in our lives in Jesus' name. The devil cannot steal from us anymore in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for an abundance and just thank you, Lord, and your kingdom is no lack. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. It says, If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God, who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproaching or fault-finding, and it will be given him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates and doubts, is like the billowing surge out at sea, that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. So when we are speaking God's truth over a situation, or we're binding poverty, or we're commanding the cancer to be gone from a person's body, we're commanding the pain to go, we're thanking the Lord for, for legs to be grown out to be the same length so that people's backs are healed and they're not walking slightly short on one side causing a back pain. 
if we are speaking the word of God over situations, when we do that, we have to believe that the word is true and that when we speak it, it will come to pass. We cannot doubt that it will come to pass. Otherwise, you will have whatever you believe. If you believe it won't come to pass, then you will have that, meaning it will not come to pass. So you have to believe by faith and without mixing in any oil, mixing in any unbelief, fear, or doubt. Then you will see the manifestation of God's promises in your life and the lives of people that you pray for. It's as simple as that. Jesus is the one that said it is finished. Jesus has paid for it all. You don't have to pay anything to steward God's promises. All you have to be is humble. You have to have a close relationship with the Lord. Believe his word is alive and active when you use it with your tongue, speaking life over situations. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, and Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where the word is alive and active. Isaiah 55 talks about the word of God should not return to him void. So the word of God is sent forth in faith and no unbelief, amen, for it to be successful. And it continues to do its work without returning to God. And then once it's completed its work, it will return to God and it will not be void because you spoke it in faith without unbelief, fear or doubt. So we spoke in recent weeks about being more effective in our faith. And this is really what I'm trying to go over with you, to keep encouraging you to really focus on faith and the power of faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We spoke in recent weeks about being more effective in this faith by knowing God, knowing him by abiding in him. And we can read about that in John chapter 15, spending time with him and his word. And since he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and since Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, we can stand firmly in God's word because we know that it will never change. Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 says, The sky and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And Jesus said, Only believe. In Mark chapter 5 verse 36, and we went over this a week or two ago, it says, Overhearing but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Now, when someone says the word only, that means you should only do that thing and nothing else. That means you should only believe and not doubt. Do not be struck with fear and do not have unbelief. So the word of God says that we should check ourselves also. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you are counterfeits disapproved on trial and rejected? But I hope you will recognize... And know that we are not disapproved on trial and rejected. So here the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's basically saying, look, review your heart, look into your heart and see, am I holding to my faith and showing the proper fruits of my faith? So you would ask the Holy Spirit today, Holy Spirit, please can you show me 
any area where I'm not holding to the faith that you have given me and where I'm not showing the proper fruits of it. And the Holy Spirit will not condemn you. The Holy Spirit will convict you if there are any areas. The Holy Spirit will bring these to your remembrance and point them out with an image or a thought. And then you can say, Lord, help me in this area that was just revealed to me by your Holy Spirit. Please help me. And then go into the Word, study the Word, study the Lord's nature and character, and become more confident in Him and what His faithfulness is all about, what He has already paid for in full, for you to be able to lay hands on the sick so that they shall recover, for you to be able to speak and command a demon to leave someone, and not doubt, not have conversations with demons, but just tell them quickly, out, be quiet and be gone, be out of that person. In Jesus' name. Because you should know the authority, the spiritual authority that the Lord has given you already. Remember, it is finished. Jesus has paid for you to have this. You are born again if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. We shall be saved. So if you are saved, if you are born again, you are a new creation. And therefore, you are no longer under the powers of darkness, but you're now in the kingdom of the Lord's beloved son, Jesus. That means that you are in him. He is in you. And you are taking on the characteristics and the nature of the Lord as he is working on your heart. But you need to continue to read the word of God to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 so that you now understand the Lord's will, because without reading the word, you cannot prove God's will. So you want to be able to prove your heavenly Father's will over a situation and be confident in his heart for that situation, his desire, what he's paid for to happen, to fix, to reconcile back to the way he expects it to be, which is completely healed, resolved, put back together again. No more sickness no more disease, no more heartache, no more disunity. God is a God of love, uh, of justice, but he puts things back together again. And he will often want to use you as the minister on the street to be able to impart his love and be a representation of Christ Jesus in your area, in your neighborhood, in your family, so that your family will know Jesus and they will come to him and allow him in as he knocks on the door of their hearts, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, asking them, can I come in and dine with you? So just wanted to encourage you again today to examine yourself, to check yourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, before we get to next week's program. Spend some time with the Lord and just ask the Holy Spirit, please reveal what you need to reveal to me in this area so that I can improve, so that I can become more like Jesus and freely give what he has freely given to me. So that is all the time we have for this week. If you'd like to partner with us, you can go to our website at tog.world. That's touchofgod.world. You can also call us for prayer at country code 1-407-705-3151. That's country code 1-407-705-3151. You can also submit a prayer request on the website. And until next week, You have a blessed week. Amen.